Blog Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Alan Pockhutter, and you're listening to Call Talk for March 20th, 2018. Today's topic is work-life balance in the call center. If you are listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. Email me at alan at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com any time of the day. And now I would like to introduce the host of the show, uh, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Well, work-life balance is an issue everywhere. International studies indicate that finding the right approaches is a challenge in most developed countries, including the United States and Canada. And getting it wrong has an impact on morale, health, and productivity. Getting it right can really help distinguish yourself among employers and even get you mentioned in Fortune's 100 Best Companies to Work For. Keep in mind that, for instance, millennials will consider work-life balance more important than pay in their decisions to go to different companies and to stay with companies. So this is a big, really important issue that's too little discussed among call center managers. So we're here to remedy that. We brought in Sean Veerling to talk about this. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks, Bruce. Great to be a part of it. Okay, great. Well, you know, during his career, Sean has worked with many Fortune 500 companies that want to optimize call center operations. Sean's been involved with benchmarking centers, with contact center training, and with workforce management solutions that enable call centers to be more efficient and effective. And previous to his position currently as president of Loxysoft, Sean worked with Teleopti, and before that, he served as president of Benchmark Portal, where he was my friend and colleague and helped launch numerous initiatives, including this very program, Call Talk, in 2009. Sean, can you believe it? Yeah. Where have the years gone? I can. I can. It's great to be back on the show, though. Where have the years gone, okay. for sure? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, in fact, with this interview, Sean's sort of returning to the scene of the crime, and I'm delighted to be talking with him today. Sean graduated from Northern Arizona University with a degree in international marketing and then obtained a degree in international business from the Harlem School of Business in the Netherlands. He was a member of the U.S. National Whitewater Rafting Team and took part in the World Championships in Prague, Czechoslovakia, which was the first time that uh, the U.S. placed high in that, uh, that event. That must have been fun, huh, Sean? Uh, it was a great time. It was uh, it, Rafting over in Czechoslovakia is like baseball. Um, there were 8,000 people on the side of the river just cheering everyone on. So it was uh, an incredible experience, kind of like the Olympics. Yep. Well, you know, it's a good way of having the, uh, the work-life balance, and I'm sure some pretty good Pilsner beer over there as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what, one of the uh, images that's in my mind of uh, the years that we worked together, Sean, it was when you were up in Santa Cruz and doing the, um, uh, the stand boarding. What is it where you stand up and you sort of paddle around? Paddle boarding, yeah. And so, you know, done some work during the day and then went paddle boarding at night. And, uh, you know, sometimes with your son, Holland. And uh, so you've really tried to practice what you preach in terms of the work-life balance. So let's kick things off by just asking. Yeah, uh, let me ask you, what do you see as the burning issues in work-life balance for contact centers today? 
You know, I, I see the, the main issues uh, in contact centers with uh, really um, giving employees more work-life balance is change management. Um, I think I see a lot of centers, they've been doing it this way for years and are afraid to change. What does that mean to change? Um, and there's a lot of different ways to, to give work-life balance. Um, we saw the home agent movement, uh, which gave work-life balance because you didn't have to commute. It also helped. And, you know, you'll see with work-life balance, it gives contact centers um, something as well. So the home agent, you give uh, your agents the ability to work from home. Um, but for you as a, as a call center, you get the ability to have a much broader reach uh, of quality agents. Um, so, you know, it, it really helps with that. Uh, others that I've seen for work-life balance is, um, you know, you get to take advantage of uh, maybe mothers who have uh, children, but they're really educated and smart. They just don't want to work, you know, when their kids are, are home. So they work during school hours. So giving them the ability to take calls during those school hours and choosing those gives them work-life balance. So you get um, a better agent pool by giving more balance to, um, to the agents and their lives. And like you said, I, I like to live it as well. I mean, I, I, I don't work a nine to five day. I work, um, you know, when I'm needed to be and I make sure that I get exercise and that gives me a healthier lifestyle, which means I'm not as sick as often and I can, you know, be at work more often. The same thing is true with your agents. Not only will they be healthier and happier, and happy agents means happy customers, but you also won't have as many sick days, or I think if you have the right workforce management program, you won't have any days off um, because you give the agents the ability to, rather than take that day off and have to have it as PTO, they just aren't working that day and they work their schedule around. Maybe their mother is coming you know, on Thursday and they, you know, know they've got to pick her up at the airport. So they work their schedule so that they're available to pick their mother up and then work the rest of the time. And they don't take days off. So there's lots of benefits um, to, you know, giving agents and managers, you know, work-life balance, really the whole team. So, you know, there's a lot of things. There's uh, quite an onion you put together and just peeling uh, the first layer you were talking about, which is, you know, having the courage to uh, really let go a little bit. There's uh, mm -hmm. a control issue that a lot of people confront. If we take, for instance, uh, the, just the at-home agent component, a lot of uh, call center managers that I talk to love the concept and realize that there's some real advantages in terms of scheduling flexibility uh, in terms of part-time uh, workforce, and uh, but they're they're concerned about the sort of letting go part of it, and what the lack of control and not having people that they can actually see and uh, you know manage directly. What are the things that you'd say to those people to uh, give them some courage to to go into it deeper and maybe do a pilot test for exactly that sort of thing? Yep. Thing we do it should be a crawl walk run right so I think the first part is you know trying to create a good plan um, that you know takes into uh, account you know how you manage your center uh, then do a small pilot and then slowly roll it out to um, the agents that want I mean some agents might not want to work from home um, so you know doing it in a phased approach uh, you know, really helps uh, taking your time doing, learning from your mistakes. 
Um, and, you know, with home agents, the thing that I always tell call center managers is just because you see your agent doesn't mean you know what they're doing. You still, uh, you know, need to monitor uh, what they're doing um, and, you know, what they're working on. So, you know, for me in workforce management, we have real-time adherence. Are they adhering to their schedule? Are they working um, on the task that we want them to? Are they taking breaks when they should? Are they coming in when they should? So setting up uh, and using the technologies that we have really enables you to give them those freedoms yet also monitor that they're not abusing them. And if they do abuse them, it's going to happen. We're all human. We're going to, you know, make mistakes. The best thing to do is coaching them and, you know, trying to, you know, work out to, to make them fit to the schedule or whatever um, you're trying to get them to do. Same thing with home agents. Um, you know, you need to do qual monitoring of the calls to make sure the calls are, are fitting with your needs, just like if they're in, in your center. Because um, remember, if, you, if you're in the center, if you have 500 agents, there's no way you can watch all 500. You need to monitor them and, you know, coach them. So there's no difference. Um, and that's the beauty of, of our world. Um, you know, we have the technology to do it. Um, and we need to take advantage of the technology. And I think that's where uh, the change management um, can be issues for some centers, you know, taking that initial step and slowly making a plan, doing a pilot, rolling out the pilot, asking for help, and making adjustments. But in the end, when you do it, you'll find you have a, a much uh, more cohesive team and a happier team. Happy agents equals happy customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a correlation that we've seen time and again in, uh, on the statistical side. And uh, yep. so it's, it's interesting yep. because the, the uh, components that you're talking about here is freedom plus accountability. I mean, uh, for those of us who remember Ronald Reagan, you know, uh, he would talk about trust but verify, right, when it came yep. to the nuclear stuff. Trust but verify. And it's really the same sort of thing. In other words, having the uh, ability to uh, c- create systems and create met- uh, approaches that do give people more freedom and therefore a feeling of more control over their lives. But on the other hand, monitoring that, as you said, in a way that makes sure that they can be held accountable. So you have to have the uh, technology, you have to have the mindset, and you have to have the uh, processes in place to actually support all of that, don't you? You do. You have to have that in place. Um, you know, and, and you have to uh, you have to trust your uh, your team or you know your employees. Um, and um, you know, there's great books out there. Um, there's Team of Teams where. Um, you know, it's kind of the rules of engagement from, um, I'm trying to think of uh, who the writer was, um, uh, uh, McChrystal, uh, General McChrystal, you know, wrote, mm. when you have dispersed teams, you have to kind of build teams that work together. So you have agents and supervisors that are working together, that they have a common goal, and then those teams have bigger teams that have a common goal. Um, you know, there's lots of great ways to handle that and like you said it's, it's kind of setting uh, a goal with everyone and and get uh, being able to let go of perfectionism um, I think sometimes we feel we have to have them in this box because that's how we'll get the you know perfect um, response and everything will be perfect I, I think you need to let go and let people adapt and, and really, you know, we're human. We're, we're not robots. We're good at learning, and uh, we want to impress. So, 
That's what I see. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I see that. And, you know, setting up the goals, just going back to the crawl, walk, run thing, uh, when you're doing that, it doesn't mean that when you're crawling, you don't really have a vision for the where you when you're running. You should have that vision already in mind. But then what you do is you work back from there. Okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to have more uh, work-life balance, have more freedom for my people, have be able to let go, uh, to, so that that can actually happen. And but then to get there, you know, you work for back from there, and you come up with the crawl stage, the walk stage, and the run stage. It also allows you to do adjustments if necessary along the way and make sure that you're communicating properly to the people who you're trying to, uh, you know, motivate and liberate in these ways because sometimes, yep. Uh, yep. particularly when you change management, that the communication is just so important, isn't it? Because people, sometimes you've got it all clear in your head, but they don't get it. And the reason they don't get it is because they haven't been used to it. I mean, it's not the way you've been operating until now. And uh, yep. you have to really be very clear about what the future is going to look like if they, uh, you know, can show the, the accountability that you're looking for. Yep. And, and I, I would say the key thing um, from a manager or a project manager's perspective in the communication is listening. Um, I, we, the best changes happen when we listen to how things are going and listen to, um, you know, what everyone is looking for to make it work. Um, so I think listening to uh, the people who are part of the pilot is a huge part um, of making it a success and then adapting as you get through toward the end goal. Great. Well, let's talk for a second about the potential costs of not doing this. I mean, you have some interesting stats here with regard to, uh, you know, particularly younger people, what they're thinking in terms of uh, walking in every day and uh, are they really thinking about staying around or not? Uh, what are what are some of the things that you want to share with us on that? Yeah, so, um, you know, for uh, millennials, um, you know, there's been a no- number of studies um, that are out there uh, that we can supply you with. Um, I think uh, uh, Ernest and Young did one. Um, but, you know, really if you rank kind of the most important aspects uh, of a job to them, pay is not always the top one. Having a work-life balance is usually uh, more important to them because uh, they want to get the most out of life and they feel that they should be able to. So you, you, can, um, you don't have to pay top talent uh, more. You also can get and keep more of your top talent. Um, I, turnover is usually the biggest cost at a call center. Um, and, you know, we've seen turnover decrease uh, anywhere from 5%, depending on the center we've worked with, um, in terms of, uh, you know, allowing people to get the schedule they want. Um, you know, it depends on the, on the center. Some of them that we work with are in college towns, and they have great um, uh, agents that, you know, work at the school, and they need that work-life balance just to attend school. So it changes. Um, you know, the other thing is, um, a lot of times uh, you have senior agents who get to pick their schedule and get, um, you know, through shift bidding, um, they get the best schedules. And then, you know, um, the, the new hire agents don't get the schedule they want. And it's really tough. But if you have a good system, you can really let everyone get um, the schedule they want um, and keep them happy. So mm-hmm. I think the key ones are turnover um, and pay. 
that you don't have to, first of all, you have less turnover and you don't have to pay them as much because they're happier to do what they're doing. Right. And in this, let me ask you a little bit of a challenge to everybody listening here. Uh, Do you know what your cost of turnover is? And if you do, great. Use that when you're uh, thinking about Mm -hmm. these initiatives and how you might be able to get a great ROI from uh, trying these things out. And the, if you don't know what your cost of turnover is, then you should definitely compute it and include everything. Make sure that you include all the recruiting costs, the screening costs, the training costs, the bringing up to full competency costs, uh, uh, you know, the cost of the trainers who are doing all the things, et cetera, et cetera. Because uh, as Sean said, you'll be surprised. If you haven't done this exercise, you'll probably be surprised at just how expensive turnover is. And we're not talking about getting turnover down to zero. But if you can cut your turnover in half or get it down to industry average if you have high turnover, then you can oftentimes uh, you know, justify some things in terms of the ROI that can really you know, change your center or turn your center around and do a lot better with it. Sure. And there's hidden costs, too, that you also need to consider. I mean, if you're at a company that has high turnover, um, you know, there's kind of uh, uh, employees are really wondering, you know, hey, what's going on with the company? Why is it so bad? Why is everyone leaving? Um, uh, Bruce, tell me out of the word. What's um, uh, not bonding, retention. but um, team, Ret- yeah, retention. team retention. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, there's a study uh, that you had cited from Indeed that found that uh, about one in four employees, uh, you know, that are not in organizations that are not perceived to support work-life balance and plan to leave their companies within the, you know, short-term future. And that's extremely expensive. And uh, so being able to figure out how to avoid that, avoiding burnout, all of those things are not just sort of nice things to do. They're things that are actually going to make your center more productive and, uh, you know, a happier place as well, which is where people want to be, obviously. So, yep. um, yeah. And I can tell you those employees that are making plans to leave, they're not working very hard. So that's another, right. you know, hidden, hidden cost that you don't see. You know, if they're looking yeah. for other jobs, putting all their effort into the current company. Yeah, yeah. The uh, HR grapevine study uh, that you brought to my attention—that was kind of interesting. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. The, the list of the top 13 cities for work-life balance doesn't contain contain even one American city, which means that uh, we have a you know a great deal of room for improvement. And um, you know, again, the productivity can go with this as well. Well, just going back to the whole concept of modeling this as well, because, you know, if we are going to embark on this kind of a work-life reassessment of our centers, then, uh, as you were saying, Sean, we have to be willing to model it ourselves. And uh, we may find that we're our worst enemy on this, particularly members of the boomer generation who work to live, uh, may find it a little bit hard to model this well. Just tell you a quick story. I remember when I was a consultant with one of the top consulting firms uh, for a summer position, and um, I was in Germany. I was in a room full of uh, these uh, consultants who had been brought in from, you know, summer people from all over Europe, and they had us there, believe it or not, at starting at 7:30 on Sunday morning. I mean, this was just unbelievable. And the guy who came was the head of the uh, operation for Germany. Uh, shows up. He had just come in from um, the United States, 
and uh, went, took a shower, put on a suit, and was standing in front of us saying that the thing that they had spent the most time talking about back at their partner meeting was the lack of work-life balance, right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the organization. And we're all looking at each other and saying, what the heck are we doing here at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning if they're trying to get better work-life balance? Are you modeling what you're talking about, right? And so we have to be able to model what we're talking about. Maybe some thoughts from you on that. Yeah, I mean, I think – you definitely need to model. And I think you have to have mottos for, you know, how uh, you do it. One that I like to say is work smarter, not harder. So be smarter about what you're doing. Um, you know, just working hard doesn't mean, you know, mean you're going to um, get things done. Um, I think important, uh, just as important that uh, I have trouble with is, you know, step away from your email, um, you know, take time away, meditate, get exercise. You have to really unplug and, you know, follow that to, to get the work-life balance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 that's how uh, you do it. And, that, and that, that's kind of the things that, that I talked about before. I step away. I go and get exercise during the day. I go work out. It makes you feel better. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe in your instance when they made you come in at uh, uh, 7 a.m. on a Sunday, you have to say no sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of it is, uh, you know, hey, this is this is what I want to do. I want to have this at the company, and you have to stand up and say, no, we need to, you know, take some time off. We need to let let let's or maybe offer alternatives rather than go meet. How about we go for a walk and you know uh, get some exercise together, or you know suggest other things. Um, mm-hmm. That's that that's part of what I see. Okay, very good. Well, uh, Alan, I know that we've got some questions here, so why don't we turn it over to you for a second and uh, to ask a question that Sean and I can answer. Yes, this question is from Donald. As a manager, I try to be respectful of work-life balance issues of my employees. However, what do I do if I feel individuals are abusing me? Well, you know, it's going to happen. Um and, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, the, the key that you need to do is really monitor. Um, so from a workforce management standpoint, real-time adherence. You know, you give them schedules, even though they've chosen the days they work, you know, trying to make sure they adhere to those schedules and, and meet um, what you agree to. And if not, um, you have to sit down and talk to them. What happened? Find out, you know, if they are abusing. If they are, um, you know, talk to them about it. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to put the ability to monitor this in place. I do feel you also need to just, um, hire the right employees that you trust, um, uh, to do it. Um, so it's a combination of hiring the correct employees, training them correctly, you know, motivating them. And then, um, you know, in the end talking to them, you you need to do all those things to make sure that you can monitor what they're doing. You know, I, I couldn't agree more, and I think that uh, we – it's a great question, Donald, because we don't want to be Pollyannas about this. Um, and one mm-hmm. of the things that occurs to me is that, you know, there's two kind of frames, two kind of, if you want to sort of put it in graphical terms, two boxes, if you will. One of them is the scheduling box, which we want to sort of open up and make a little bit uh, more user-friendly, if you will. And then there's the metrics box which is what people have, and also the uh, sort of policy box that people have to adhere to. 
And you know, one suggestion that I might give is that right from training, if you can bring out the uh, fact that there are these two boxes, two frames, make them look like nice frames, put them in a slide, and one of them is the scheduling uh, frame, and the other is the metrics and, and uh, sort of policy frame, and uh, you know have people understand from that visual representation where there's going to be flexibility and where they have to adhere and be responsible and be accountable, then that may help you out, Donald, in terms of being able to make sure you get the performance you want while offering the flexibility. Yep, great points. And we have a question number two from Douglas. How do you motivate new agents to get the schedule they want? <clears throat> so I believe um, in motivating new agents um, by focusing on uh, a metric or some aspect that's important to your business, like Bruce was talking about, you know, look at your metrics. What, what do you focus on? Maybe it's customer satisfaction. Maybe it's average speed of answer or average handle time. Focus on those metrics. And then start to group your agents, not who have been there for a long time, have the seasoned agents in one group, but also have the new agents who have a performance um, aspect to group them together and give them the exact schedule that they want to motivate them to, to be better. And then they're competing, so it's kind of gamification with metrics, um, and, and get them to be you know better at whatever aspect of the – the contact center you're looking for. Um, I do think gamification is another way to, to do that. Um, and then finally, uh, mentoring. Um, you know, a lot of times if you have new agents and you can get the seasoned agents to mentor those new agents, um, that can really motivate them as well. And, um, you know, that's a very easy thing to do. Bruce, what are your thoughts? I yeah, no, I think uh, gamification can really fit in here with, uh, you know, what Douglas is, is asking about. And uh, in terms of motivating people in general, uh, that can be a great way to do it because it's fun. It's uh, And we have, you know, other call talk episodes as well as uh, blogs that we've written on gamification. So if anybody's interested in digging into that deeper, they can get in touch with me. But um, it's, it's a great way of engaging uh, the agent so that they are not just thinking about the uh, nitpicking parts of schedule uh, adherence and things like that. They see their participation and their um, accountability as part of being part of the game. And that part they understand. The millennials understand the, uh, the Generation uh, Z that's coming along. Uh, definitely they understand that as well. So uh, I think those are great points, Sean. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. And uh, so back over to, to Alan. Yes, we have one more from Debbie. What are the benefits of giving employees work-life balance? So, um, you know, I, I, we mentioned the benefits before. Um, I, I think I'd like to t focus on maybe some of the non-tangible benefits, and that is health, um, you know, by allowing them to uh, choose their schedule. They're not as stressed. Um, they, uh, you know, have a healthier life, maybe even giving them time to get exercise. Uh, depends on, you know, where we're going there. Um, happiness, 
you know, they can, they don't feel as, as the need to, um, you know, trying to adjust their schedule and, and you know, how hard life can be when we're trying to get things done. The, the better you can align your schedule life, the happier and healthier you'll be. Um, and then, you know, motivating them and, and retention uh, that we mentioned before. So uh, usually when you're giving it agents the schedule they want, they're going to stay with you. They're going to attract better talent because they'll spread the word about how great it is to work at the company. Um, so I think there's less recruiting costs, um, better talent. Um, there's a lot of numbers. Bruce, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, absolutely. With regard to, uh, you know, schedules, for example, having systems that allow for swapping and in a responsible way so that uh, you don't even have to get in the middle of that uh, as long as the rules are clear to everybody. Uh, colleagues are oftentimes, I mean, one of the things that people who are members of a family do for each other is they have each other's backs and they support each other. And that's something that you oftentimes see in the best call centers is that there's this family atmosphere where it's not yep. just uh, individual by individual, it's the uh, the group ethic. And so somebody who gets to know their colleague uh, and who knows that they have a, a daughter who's uh, playing in a soccer tournament or something like that, and could they uh, swap out a, um, a shift, they'll do that, and they'll be happy to do that. And then uh, the person will come back and talk about what happened and you know send some Snapchat pictures and things like that. If we can facilitate that sort of thing as managers, if uh, we can facilitate all that, then I think that's all to the good. So, yep. And okay. to, to add to that, I think they can also be um, great at, uh, you know, bringing on new team members because they want someone that's going to fit well in the team because they take ownership of that. And, you, you know, that's where you get a lot better hiring in the team. Right. Right. No, it's, it's really a virtuous circle that you get going at that point. Well, listen, this has been great. Uh, Sean, I can't thank you enough for being on our program, for on being on your program. Uh, really <laughs> good to have you. And, uh, Alan, thank you for everything. And uh, any final words before Alan wraps things up for us, Sean? No, I mean, uh, I think, you know, when, when looking at this and taking into account, you know, like we talked about, uh, the key is, you know, really make a make a good plan. Know that it's going to change. Start small, slowly build on it, and, and listen to, uh, you know, your employees. Um, and you know, there's also technologies out there um, that can really help you, uh, you know, make those changes. I think a lot of times we get locked into um, uh, things by the technology we're using. Don't be afraid to look for new technologies. You know, it's like workforce management. Um, you know, that, that I, that I do, you know, look at agent preferences availability and asking them, um, can really help, you know, make those changes. Okay. Very good. Thank you again, hey, Bruce, Sean. Thanks again and, for having me on. Okay, great. You take care and, uh, keep on exercising and paddle boarding and all those other things that you do. I'm going to do the same thing, what I do at the Y for the most part, and we'll hand things over <laughs> to Alan. <laughs> Thanks again to Sean and Bruce for an insightful discussion on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows and topics at BenchmarkPortal.com. Then click on Call Talk, where you'll find over eight seasons of this show. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Alan Pockotter 
signing out. Have a great day.